You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. John chapter 21, please, verse number 5 this evening. Let's go back to verse 3. John 21, verse 3. Now, let me set this for you quickly. Look at me. Jesus has risen from the dead, and all these guys right here in this passage have seen him since he rose from the dead. And listen, and every one of them is a disciple. They're not casual guys hanging around. Every one of these people have been with Jesus for three and a half years. They were close to him, so, and they have seen him in his resurrection body. It looks like... Looks like everything should be going forward from here, right? Well, look at verse 3, John 21. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. Now look at me. He's not talking about going out and drowning worms for a little fun. He's saying, I quit. That's what Peter was doing when Jesus found him. He was in the fishing business. He's simply saying, I'm going back to the fishing business. This, look at me. This is after he's seen Jesus. This is after he went to the empty tomb and saw it was empty. It's just after that upper room, that's John 20, where Jesus appeared to them, not once, but twice. This is after all of that. And Peter, one of the pillars, one of that Simon, you know, the three guys, what Peter says, I go a fishing. He just quit on the Lord. Now let's see what happens in verse number three. Look at it now. I go a fishing. They say unto him, well, then go on, chicken, chicken lips, if you're going to quit crawl off. What do they say, young people? We also go. He just took six guys out of the ministry with him. Hey, 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 look here. If you're going to quit and you're going to quit on your youth group and you're going to quit on your church and you're going to quit on God, would you at least have the intestinal fortitude that's called guts to go walk off by yourself, then go out and start posting stuff on your little, your little Facebook page? Huh, Spanky, are you with me? Uh, well, I don't know if I like everything. Man, why don't you just shut up and walk off? Now, I don't want you to walk off, but if you're going to do it, shut up and walk off. Go on, go on. Don't sit there in your little, your little room with your little uh, laptop and decide you're going to explain how in the great wisdom God has given you at 14, how you, you don't have to do this. Kind of, if you're going to quit, you go quit on your own. You ladies do the same thing. If you're going to quit, then just go on, chicken. Go on and walk off, walk out, and quit on your own. And if someone does that, don't join them, dummy. Come on, man. What is the deal? Oh, we go with thee just like that. Seven disciples have just quit the ministry. Whoa. Let's keep going. The verse three, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they <laughs> made a fortune. <laughs> that night they made a fortune. Hey, they became assistant managers at McDonald's. <laughs> Whoa, bro. You're climbing the ladder here, man. Tripping over a nickel is what you're doing. Anyway, look at this. And it says, that night they caught how much, young people? Nothing. Now, don't say it right. Now, say it right. They caught what? Nothing. Oh, now, verse 4, and when morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. <laughs> he is never, look at me, he is never going to give up on you. You can quit him, but he will not quit you. You say, well, so what? What do you mean, so what? That ought to be enough to hold us to him for the rest of our days. 
that no matter what, he is not going to quit you. He is not going to get, he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You got that? So you can turn your back and walk off, but he is not going to quit on you. And so there they are. They've quit. And that morning, Jesus is on the shore, the Bible says. And the verse number four, and but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then saith unto him, unto them, children, have you any meat? And they answered him, well, I wasn't in a good place in my life at that time. And I'm questioning my gender and I'm not sure how this is going to go. And I'm thinking I may be binary. I don't even know what that means. You know, I, I said I was a jerk. Well, don't look at me like that. You, you can believe all that junk if you want to. Look at, this is not in the message, so this is free. Watch me. At the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb, God made you what gender you are. To change that is a slap in the face of God. That, that's free. Now we go. Jesus, verse five, Jesus said to them, children, have you any meat? They answered him. What's the answer? Okay, look at me, young people. I'm going to give you three questions from John 21 and keep going here. The first question is, and this is the best one to start this whole conference with tonight. The question the Lord wants to ask you tonight is this. So how is it going? Children, have you any meat? Catching anything? How's it going? Now, young people, listen to me carefully. If you're going to get honest with yourself in the God of heaven, this is it. This is the moment. This is the time. This is the night where you need to give an honest answer to yourself and to God. These guys don't fool around. They don't say, well, you know, we were trying and the economy was bad and look who's in the White House. I mean, look, I'm having that complaint about politics and what's on them and how I'm, and I'm not in touch with my inner child and I, I'm not in touch with my feminine side. Guys don't have one of those. And that kind of stuff, I just don't, you know, I... I I don't know, Lord, you, you have to understand. And we went out here working all night long and you know, they didn't give it. They just, they just said, uh, no, no, it's not going good. Now here's what that means, young people. And I'll sit you down in a minute. It means for once you're being honest with God. And let's face it, young people, you and I can fool people. And, the, and for most of you who've been in church all your life, <laughs> you already know the speeches. You already know the words. You already know what to say. Hey, look at me. You already know how to put on the front. But in reality, if God asked you, how's it going? You'd have to say, not good. Not good. Now, the reason you need to be honest is because from there you can fix it. That's the point. The point isn't to say, well, your life's rotten, huh? No, that's not the point. Can't tell you how many young people will tell me, I'm just, I'm bored all the time. I'm just bored. And I'm going to tell you why you're bored. Because you're boring. Would God, I had time to get bored. I would love to get bored. That would be fantastic. Same young people will go to church and act like they're bored at church and then sit there for hours playing video games. Dude, do you have a life? Do you realize your thumbs are getting bigger than your neck? Do you do know that, right? The truth is, the answer is honesty with God. Let's pray. Father, bless now tonight. Be with us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, we've all tried things before. Believe it or not. Hey, hey, look at me. Believe it or not, at one time, I was a teenager. Abraham Lincoln and I were on the same basketball team. It was incredible. I was a teenager. 
And I was sitting there one day watching, the tele, watching television, <laughs> black and white TV, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And it's commercial. Okay, look at me. I'm 16 years old. I'm born and raised in California. I'm a native Californian, okay? Thank you. And it was the 60s, the 1960s. Watch it. And I'm sitting there watching, this tele, watching television, and a commercial comes on. And uh, all of a sudden, this, this woman starts riding across the beach on a horse with flowing hair and this flowing dress. And the announcer, it's a perfume commercial. Now, I'm not into perfume because I'm, I'm a guy. And, 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 and she's riding across the, the, the edge of the beach there with the water spray coming up, her hair flowing like that. It was the 60s. I had the flowing hair then. Remember that, Brother Swanson? <laughs> anyway, I... I, I I had the flowing hair thing. And I'm watching the commercial, and all of a sudden, the, the announcer just comes on and says, Jean too. And I saw that, and I thought, boy, that would be so great to ride a horse down the beach at full speed. Thank you. At full, am I bleeding? I was watching you women shoot at those balloons up there. I thought, I don't want you protecting me. And I thought it'd be so great to ride a horse on the beach, you know, just the flowing 60s hair that I had, man, just, and then Jean too. A couple weeks later, my family decides to go camping. Now, let me say this about camping. Camping is stupid. It is. Yeah, it is too. You work, look at me, you live all year in a house and then you go act like a homeless person for vacation. I mean, you think about it. That is like stupid. My idea of roughing is a quarter million dollar motorhome with a satellite disc stuck on the Hallmark Channel. I mean, that's roughing it, bro. They want to go camping. So we're going to go down to, down to Ensenada, down, Baja, down the Baja here, and go camping. We pull into the campground. I'm 16 years old. I'm still thinking, Jean too. And I look up, and there's a sign that says, horseback riding on the beach. 25 cents an hour. And I thought, yes. I could hardly sleep that night. I was dreaming of myself riding the horse down the beach. Hair flowing. No dress. Hair flowing. <laughs> Little spray coming up every now and then. And Jean too. Next morning, I was at the crack of dawn. I was down at the stables. Well, now the stables in Ensenada, Mexico is just a rope, roped off area with a bunch of horses that, to be honest with you, I mean, they called them Alpo and Elmer's Glue and they, they're dog food. I mean, they were, they were sad-looking animals. Sway back on them. I mean, so I go up to the guy and I said, okay, uh, El, uh, El Dinero Cuatro Horas. Give me four hours, bro. I figured that would work, right? Four hours riding on the beach. 25 cents an hour. I had a dollar. I gave it to him. He said, <laughs> he said something in Spanish, and I don't think it was good luck. <laughs> so they put the saddle on the horse. Now, if you don't think about riding horses, when you get on a horse, the first thing you do is you adjust the stirrups where your feet go. So when the horse trots, you can kind of hold yourself up a little bit, or you grab the horse with your legs, one or the other. But I didn't pay attention to that. And I, and I start to get in the saddle, and I look at the saddle, and there's a, the leather was gone, and there was like a crack about that wide, 
They went right down the middle of that wooden saddle thing. And I thought, that's weird. And, and I sit on the horse like this. The horn is up here. That horse is so sway back. And I'm sitting on this horse, and all I can think of is John 2. He gets me on the horse, hands me the reins. I go, yeah, hey, let's go, Elto, hit it, bro. And the horse just stands there. I go, kick him, kick him again. He won't move. Finally, the guy comes over, he hands the, takes the reins, hands them to this little kid, and the kid walks me up the beach. And I'm just sitting on this horse. We get about a mile up the beach. Kid drops the reins, walks off. I picked the rein over the horse, picked the reins up like this. Watch this now. And I turned his head just to, are you shooting at me? Up the top, I'm sorry, it's me. So I turned the horse's head just like back toward the stable just a little bit. Boom! That boy took off, man. I'm telling him, all of a sudden, that nag, that four-legged case of dog food turned into a Kentucky Derby winner, bro. He starts hitting down the beach. Wow! Oh, woo! He's moving. I'm thinking, John, too. And all of a sudden, I found something out. That crack. Every time he took a step, that crack closed. Boop. And when a horse is running, it's doing like this. And brother, it is pinching the fire out of me. I'm thinking, all oh, hope of the future is over. This thing's going to kill me. And he's chew it's chewing me up. And I'm, and I'm trying to, so I, but the stirrups are not right, so I can't get off the horse. Then it goes over into the ocean a little bit, and the water comes up and hits me in the face. Salt water. Ah, oh, oh, oh. And then, and I'm trying to hold myself off this thing, spit from off the horse, and everything's hitting me in the face, and salt water, and the jaws of death are down there trying to ruin my life. And the horse is going this way, and the horse is going that way. So I'm yelling, I'm yelling, I'm yelling, what's Spanish for stop? Alto! Stop, you four-legged stinking case of Alpo, stop! No way, man, that boy was going home into the ocean. And then the water gets all over the saddle and all over me, and my hands would slip off the saddle. The horn in the back, and I hit those jaws of death would come down on me. Down the beach, man, that thing was moving, bro. And that jaws of death on the... He gets back to the stables. He doesn't slow down to a walk. He just goes, Boop! and I go, Whoop! right over the horse. And I'm laying in the sand, foam from the horse coming into my face. And the, the Mexican man running the thing comes up and goes, Que pasa, amigo? Esta bien? A few of you who don't speak the holy language, that means, is it good? And I got up and I walked off, man. That was 22 minutes. The longest 22 minutes of my life. I'm walking away. Hey, that kid, sit up right there. They sit down. Yeah, son, don't do that now. I told you I'm a jerk. Don't, don't do that. 
Dude, if you can't stay awake during a funny illustration, the sermon is gonna be absolute torture for you, okay? Just stay with me. I'm walking back to the campsite. Oh, man. Oh, man. Praying for cotton balls, something, man. I was, I was dying. See, I've, I had this thing in my mind of what I wanted to do, and I thought if I could just go, John, too. Never heard it one time on the back of that horse, bro. Jaws of death trying to kill me. Never thought John 2 one time. Point of the illustration. Sometimes we think we have things planned out for our lives of what we think we ought to be, what we think we ought to do. And I'm going to tell you something, young people. You know what? There's nothing wrong with doing that as long as it's in the center of the will of God and what God wants you to do. However, however, you can make your own plan and do your own thing. But I'm telling you, it'll turn out just exactly as foolishly as it did that day with this kid laying on his back underneath a foaming horse with his backside chewed off of him. And you know why? Because I didn't put God in the order of things. But you got to start somewhere to get it in order. And here's where you do. You decide it's not going well before the bottom falls out. Why does the prodigal have to get to the hog pen, eat pig food? Read that again sometime and get that statement with the prodigal in the pig pen. It said he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. He tried to make it work. He's eating pig food, living in a pig pen. And he's trying to make it work. Is that you tonight? You're trying to make it work. You're trying to make something work that's not working. And so you're going to try something else, and that's not going to work. You know why? Because the only life that will work, that works the way it's supposed to work, is the life that God makes for you. But it all starts with that question. So how's it going? Huh? ¿Qué pasa, amigo? ¿Está bien? Say, well, no, Pastor Johnson. And, and here's what, watch me now. And here, here it is. And it's not my fault. You know the truth of the matter is? It is. Because if somebody else, look at me, if someone else can control how your life is and how it turns out, that means it's their fault if it doesn't turn out right. But it's yours now. You have the opportunity. And for this conference tonight, can we not get that straight in our minds? Jesus tell, asked them, have you any meat? And they say, no. What did he tell them? And then the next verse, quickly. He said unto them, throw the net, cast the net on the right side of the ship. Huh? The, hey, look at me. The right side of the ship. Let's stand together, stretch your kneecaps. I know you're having a long travel. Some of you came all the way from nowhere. So, so watch me. Well, isn't it interesting everything in the Bible, how it's, how it's so perfect and the detail is perfect? He didn't say just cast your net. He said cast your net on the right side of the ship, huh? Not the left side of the ship. Not the backward side of the ship. There ain't no such thing on a boat. Uh, not, 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 the, not the bow, not the stern. Not, no, he said the right side of the ship. You know why? Because you got to do it on the right side of life. You got to get on the right side. You got to get your heart right. You got to get your life right. See what well, I've done that before and I just, it just didn't turn out. No, you didn't stay with it. It always turns out. God does. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But it's on the right side of the ship, not your side, his side. Not the, don't you think those guys are fishing all night long? Don't you think they tried every side of that boat they were in? Huh? Then the right side, the left side, the back side, under the leg side, over the shoulder side. I mean, they tried everything you could think of. 
But when he says right side of the ship, they cast a net, net out there, and guess what happens after they fished all night and caught nothing? Oh, man, those silvery fish filled up that net, and it was good again because they were doing it on the right side of things. Look at me, young people, look at me. Some of you got to stop the drama in your life. Stop it now. Come on, stop it. You got to stop the drama, Will, if you just understood Pastor Johnson. Okay, I, I, I get you. But let's face it. Church and the Christian life ain't no stinking Oprah session or Dr. Phil organization. It's really quite simple. You get right, your life's right. You don't, it won't. But you can go, hey, the prodigal made it all the way to the hog pen, hey. And all the things that he went through in his life, he made it through all of that. It's on the right side of the ship. Answer the question tonight, how's it going? Quickly sit down now, please. Or slow down and sit down, however you want to do. Go to verse 15. I said two questions quickly now. The next question. Now watch this. They fish. They catch nothing. Jesus says, okay, cast your net on the right side of the ship. What happens? They catch fish. Then they start dragging the nets in. And Jesus is already on the shore with a meal prepared for them. He's got bread and fish and fried okra. And... See, how do you know that was there? How do you know it wasn't? Some of you don't even know what okra is. You get to heaven, you're going to have to figure out the menu, Holmes. You might as well just go and figure it out now. But it, he's got the meal prepared for them. And they all sit down to have a meal with Jesus. Could you imagine what that meal was like? Seven backslidden Baptists and the Lord Jesus Christ sitting there and they're eating like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's him. Mm -hmm. And all seven had quit. Who does Jesus turn to? Peter. And what does he do in verse 15 quickly at question two is this. And when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? That's the question you need to answer tonight. Number two is, who do you really love? And Jesus knows the answer, doesn't he? That's why he keeps asking Simon the same question. Jesus knows the answer. He wants Simon to give the right answer. Let's young people, let's face it. Who do you really love? Now, love, you understand, is not about how you feel. I think feelings are kind of like the back in the caboose somewhere of, of what real love is. It's not the driver on the train, friend. Real love is a commitment to do what's best for the other person. And Jesus is basically saying, Simon, son of Jonas, what, what happened to you? you? You transfer your love to somebody else. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these, well, what are the these? Is he pointing at the fish? What about at maybe the meal, the food, or is he pointing to his friends? Well, there's a good answer. Which one is it for you? Is it your friends? Do you really love your friends more than you love Jesus? Yeah. You ought to love your friends. It's the second most holy human relationship you'll have on this planet. Some of you one day will find a blind, ignorant, retarded person who will marry you, and then when you do, that's, that's gonna be number one. Human relationship on this earth is your, is your spouse. And I guess I have to say, if you're a guy, you marry a girl. If you're a girl, you marry a guy. And now you have to say, if you're a, you marry a girl, is going to stay a girl, and a guy is going to stay a guy. Anyway, so that, that, that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. I am a happily married man. You know why? Because my wife tells me I'm a happily married man. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And the second most... most amazing human relationship you have in life is a friend. Now look at me, not, not one of those imaginary people you have on a Facebook page. I'm talking about it like a real, 
I had imaginary friends in the 60s, and I didn't have Facebook. It was very organic, let me just say it that way. But, but the truth of the matter is, <laughs> no, I'm talking about, hey, look at me, a real friend will open their veins for you. They'll give their life for you. But are they more important than Jesus? Is that who he's talking about? These, is it a friend? What about the food, the meal he's prepared? Well, you understand what a meal is, see? A meal is the last thing that you ate that doesn't last very long. Even, even some of you girls, you know, I ate a carrot stick last week. Okay, well, I guarantee you, sweet pea, that's gone. The truth of the matter is, the meal that I had today is long since gone. So what's a food thing? Food is talking about something that's temporary. You may think your problems are absolute life-altering, but truth is, they're temporary. It's not that they're not important. No, 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 no. Teenagers have real problems like everybody else does, no question, but I guarantee it, they're temporary. What are you hung up on that's so temporary? Come on, let's face it. Here, here's the deal. Watch. Let me get this out of my pocket here. Woo! See that right there? Watch me. That is a smartphone. You know why? Because it's smarter than I am. And today, this is the rite of passage for young people. Hey, look at me. This is the rite of passage. And it's up to iPhone what now? 14, 17, 82, what is it? 14, iPhone 14 plus can read your mind. <laughs> Doesn't take long. Um, look at me. But I, I double-dog guarantee you to put this down for four days while you're at youth conference and not mess with it. Well, I need to let my parents know where you are. They know where you are. And I, let me just say this. They're very happy that you are where you are. Yeah, because I went to youth conference. No, because you ain't at home. They're very happy about that. That's fantastic. I dare you. I double dog stinking dare you. Some of you couldn't put that stupid thing down for one hour without going into convulsions because you've come to love. The average person today, young person today, spends six to ten hours a day in front of an electronic screen. A day. You're only going to live to be 74 if you look at an electronic screen. The average amount of hours a young person does you will only live to about 74, 75 years of age. You're gonna spend 44 years of your life looking at an electronic screen. You can't tell me that doesn't possess you. Some of you right now are looking at your stupid telephone. You can't even put it down long enough to listen to a message from the Word of God. Who do you really love? Some of you, you love your friends over your own parents because they're, 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 they're so strict with you. They tell you to do things you don't want to do. <laughs> Spank you, get ready for life, man. <laughs> That's coming down the road. Jesus is simply saying this. See, there's something about loving him first and foremost. That's it. Look at me. That sets everything in life in proper order. You, you, you know why you'll do right? If you love Jesus, you'll always do right. Three reasons why we do what we do. First of all, is out of fear. Fear of God's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But if you only do what you do out of fear and fearing God and the fear of what will happen if you don't do right, you'll only do what you have to do. Just, hey, look at me, just to stay under from getting the big mallet, the big whack. So fear's good, but that's not the place you want to stay in why you do what you do. The other one is reward. People do what they do because of reward, because of what you get out of it. 
Is that bad? No. No, you should want God to bless you. You should want God to do something in your life and help you and reward your efforts. That's a smart thing. But here's the problem with the, with the motivation of reward. You only do what you do as long as you're getting something out of it. That, that bus route every Saturday and Sunday after a while, well, it gets a little boring, Pastor Johnson. It gets a little old in my life. You know why? You're serving out of reward instead of serving out of being a blessing to somebody else. Stand your feet again one more time. You're tired. Many of you travel a long way, and I want to keep with you for a few more moments. But see, the third motivation is the best one. It's love. You do what you do out of love. Because you, Look at me, because you love Jesus. Because you love him so much because of what he meant to you, what he's done for you. You know, there's no limit to love. If you ever love something, the Bible said charity never faileth. If you ever love somebody, you will always love them. And if I love Jesus like I'm supposed to love Jesus, you know something, young people, I, I'll get it right. So, so the, 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 uh, the friends is one thing. The fish is another thing. But then the, the food issue, excuse me, is another thing. The fish issue is that's their, that's their, their uh, exit. See, Peter knew he could always go back to the fishing business. What's, what's your exit? Well, the church thing, I'm going to do that until I'm 18. Then I'm going to do, what's your exit? What's your plan? You already got it fixed in your head. You've been dumb enough to sit there and watch Hollywood people who can't keep their life together, can't, can't stay out of drugs, can't stay out of trouble, can't stay married, can't do anything with their life that works. They all have, they all have medication, super heavy medication, and they're all going to counseling and everything else. It's unbelievable. And you think those are the kind of people you want to emulate with your life. Come on, man, look at me. Is that your head or is your neck blowing a bubble? I mean, think about it for just a moment. Seriously. The truth is, see, if you, if you love Jesus, if you love him, there is no limit to what he could ask of you. And sometimes he's going to ask some things of you, but it's okay. My wife uh, is here with us uh, this week. I love her. She, she's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Her only flaw is her taste in husbands. That's the only flaw she has. I'm serious. That lady, I, I, would, I would die for her. I can move more quickly here, but we were in Egypt in the, in the city of Cairo, and we went to a museum, the, the Cairo Museum, world famous. Believe me, I've been there. It's not that great. It isn't. I was shocked at how Mickey Mouse it was. I just had a little encounter with one of the Egyptian police guys in town. Nothing serious. And we're in the, we're in the museum, and my wife was looking. She wanted to go see King Tut's treasure, you know, with the gold mask and the whole thing. And there was a, like a big chart on the wall and it was telling you where all this stuff was. And she was looking at the chart on the wall and this Egyptian, none of these Egyptian cops were under six, four, six, five. They're big boys. And this guy was standing there and he just turns around and he kind of gets in front of the, 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 the map. And she's trying to look around him and you know, he was just kind of. So finally she said, you know, what do you say in Egyptian? El Camelo to the left, you know, come on, man. <laughs> So she just went like that, and he went, hey. whoa, whoa. We're about to have an international incident. <laughs> I stepped in front of her, and I just looked at him. I said, huh, no, no. Me and that big boy are about to get it on right there in that museum, because if he made a move at my wife to say or do anything to her, I'd be right in the middle of his stuff, and they'd be burying him out there in one of those pyramids. 
See that? Now you say, well, Brother Johnson, the preacher's not supposed to be a brawl. It wouldn't have been a brawl. It had been over real fast, real fast. He, he either killed me or I'd have killed him, one or the other. But that man said, I was so pumped. My adrenaline was flowing so strong, I was literally, sweat was pouring off of me. My wife's going, honey, it's okay. I go, oh, no, it's not okay yet. Sorry. Finally, the guy just kind of turned around and walked off, and we're walking along. She goes, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Wiping the sweat. I looked down. I was soaked in my shirt. I was going to jump, big time jump, froggy all over this dude. You know why? Because he's about to mess with my wife, and I'm not going to have that. You know why? Because I love her. 47 plus years, she's put up with me, the work of God, and all the rest of the stuff. I love her. But you know something? I love him more than I love her. So let's get it straight. Who do you really love? Be seated, please. One more question. We're out of here. Thank you for listening. You do so much better standing. Look, look at verse 21. I know it's been a long day. You traveled. I mean, you're 14 and, you know, you're, you got no energy. I don't know. You know, young people, they come to church on Sunday morning, you know. Uh, uh, yo, Adrian. Uh, I said, man, what's the matter? Uh, I'm, I'm tired. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Are you working? No, uh, no. <laughs> You've been sick? No. Is there something wrong with you? No. Well, why are you tired? I was up playing video games all night long. Okay, look at me. I got like that much compassion for that kind of junk. Just like some of you at youth conference this week, you're going to go back to the motel room like you've never been out of the house in your life. Stay up all night laughing, giggling, cutting up, and then come here in the morning. Would you, seriously. <laughs> but you did good standing. Okay, verse 21. Peter say, seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Here's what happened. Let me cut, cut it and we'll get out of here. Watch it. Jesus bears down on Peter. Do you love me? He says, I love you. What he's saying is, I like you. Well, do you love me? Oh, I, I, lo I like you. Do you love me? And after a while, Peter's doing the thing that no teenager's ever done. And turn to the person next to him, Peter, Professor John goes, what about him? Hey, he was in the boat. I jumped in the water and swam to the shore and he's just sitting there, what about him? Huh? Look at me. That's one of the problems with social media, social people with mess with social media. Well, you're too horizontally connected. What, okay, so junior high boys, that means this way. You're so plugged into what people think about you. You're so plugged into about, if somebody was to say they didn't like your hair, do you go rip your hair out? It's insane. Well, what happens here? He said, Peter's saying, well, what about him? It's disgusting to hear a person whining, isn't it? I don't understand why you have to be me. Shut up. That is so disgusting. When he says that, Peter says that there, he says, verse 21, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, well, it's okay. Hey, it's not your fault. You're out because you quit and it's somebody else's fault. And that's what a bunch of people are going to do. They're going to blame somebody else for why they quit on God. Let me testify to you. My dad is a Baptist preacher. Ran off with one of the women in the church when I was a boy. Chased off with this woman. Broke my mother's heart. She turned to drink, became a drunkard. And I lived in the drunkard's home in the town where I now pastor this Shasta Baptist church. 
And you know something? She married a man who was a drunk and a bartender. He used to beat on her and beat on us. When I got old enough to figure out what that was, you don't think I had a chip on my shoulder? You may shock you, but I even had a little bit of a temper. I'd fight it to drop my head, drop my head every chance I got. And you know why? Because of what my dad did. Okay, young people, look at me. If you can solve anything this week, could you solve your daddy issues or your mama issues? Would you please? Hey, get over it. <laughs> what, 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 your, what about him? And Jesus says, what is that to you? What is that to you? Follow thou me. Now, young people, look at me. No one will ever be able to look the Lord Jesus in the face and be able to blame somebody else. Son, take your sunglasses off. Take your sunglasses off, shorty. It ain't that bright in here. Here, watch me now. Here's the deal. No one's ever going to be able to point at, look at Jesus and say it's his fault, her fault, I messed up. My youth director, my pastor, my friends, my parents, my this, my that. That's why I am not what I am supposed to be. And Jesus is simply saying, what is that to you? You're supposed to follow Jesus. Let me put another uh, common vernacular. Get over it. Hey, get over it. Say, well, you just don't understand. I do understand. I just gave you a testimony. I wasted my teenage years and my four years in the military all with a chip on my shoulder. I got out of the service early because I started a riot in a non-Sunday school environment where they were carrying people out in stretchers. Don't give me any junk about it. And I had every reason to excuse myself except a good one. Hey, look at me. No. -uh. What is that to you? Yeah, well, see, here's what. No, no, no. What is that to you? What, did the, what does the Bible tell you you're supposed to do? God holds you accountable for that. What is that to you? Get over it. I'm not belittling your hurt, your problem, and what happened to you. But come on, man. Are you going to play that? You got any cheese with all that wine? Okay, are you listening to me? You got any old violin going? You're going to spend the rest of your life. And by the way, from that person that you blame, you'll find another one to blame. Then another one to blame after that. And guess what? Your whole life is going to be one big rotten excuse for why you can't get done what you need to get done. I don't, I don't get it, young people. I don't get the idea that somehow, see, well, I was 16 years old when I resolved my issues, my daddy issues. But more importantly, I resolved my God issues. See, you want, let's stand one more time and then we'll finish, I promise. One more time. Thank you. Uh, you've been very gracious, really. You don't have any choice. It's a cult. No, just kidding. <laughs> I was 16 years old when I resolved my issues with God. Because look at me, and this is where you have to look at it when people fail you. They failed you, God didn't. And here's the thing people will say, Well, Pastor Johnson, God should have stopped them from doing that. Well, let me ask you a question Does He stop you? Hey, we want God to stop everybody but us. Hey, you want to go do what you want to do, live the way you want to live, and God leave you alone, but he has to stop everybody else from all the bad that they do in their life. That's a hypocrite. If he, see, God gives you free will agency, so you make your own choices. And the truth of the matter is, young person, what is that to you? Yes, I'm sorry it has hurt you. I'm sorry people fail you. Trust me, it'll happen a few more times before it's over, Spanky. It will. By the way, there'll be a ton of people who won't. They'll stand with you and walk with you. Oh, my goodness. And if you just have one, you still got Jesus. What is that to you? Jesus says, 
follow thou me. That's what he told Peter when it all started, remember? He's down there fishing and Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. See, it's fascinating how the complicated things of life become simple when we get back to one simple principle of, I'm gonna just follow Jesus in this thing. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please, tonight. Let's answer the questions tonight. So how's it going? Well, I think the whole thing's rotten. It's all lousy and everything. Oh, no, no. No, you're not answering the question, honestly. If we start out by answering the question and things are not right and we're honest, God can help you from there. The right side of the ship is where you're going to fix that. And it's not going to get fixed any other way. But he, he will help you. But you gotta get you got to get honest with God. Who do you really love? I mean, honestly. And why isn't Jesus at the top of the list if he is not? Some of you young people, you're, you're, you're pretty amazing Christians, to be honest with you. You've got that Jesus thing right in your mind. And you're putting him first and you're going to keep him there. That's how you're going to get through all of this in life. You will. And then lastly, what is that to you? Follow Jesus. Pastor talked about it tonight. The answer is yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. Hey, heads bowed, eyes closed. Okay, let me ask you this question quickly now. Listen, do you know for certain without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life and that heaven is your home? I mean, if you walked out of this building tonight and you stepped off into eternity, you know the number one killer of teenagers today is accidents. First of all, it's because they watch TikTok and try stupid things people do on there and they, they kill them, they get killed. God forbid that should happen. But wait a minute, but if you step out into forever, hey, eternity, teenagers can go to hell just like everybody else can. But God does not want that and we certainly don't. Do you know, my friend, if you don't, in a moment we'll have an invitation, turn it back here, then would you, would you settle that tonight, please? If you don't do it here in this service, and I want you to, I want you, not because we want to see you, we want you to, you got to act when God moves. We're not Calvinists. That's right, we're not, not even close. But we also know you have to come when he draws you, and if he's pulling, you better yield now. And we want to be your friend. Would you let us help you tonight? And then, Christian, what would God have you do in those questions this evening? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.